Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. All right, welcome to Plan for Life Now, episode number 84. Man, we are in mid-October here. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well. How do I sound? I'm in the sunroom of my house. I usually don't sound. record here. Is it okay? Sound, sound good. What do you usually use, like the shower or something for the acoustics? No, I usually use my office. Oh, okay. But my wife is using the office for something else. So now I'm in the sun. The sun room's good. If it sounds no, sound, good, it's a nice sound private fine. place. Yeah. I can look at my backyard. Maybe I'll do more recordings in the sunroom. But that's not why you're listening, everybody. Well, it might be, you know. They <laughs> like that stuff better than all the financial stuff. That's boring. Um, well, I was going to apologize, and it might start up again. My daughter is doing P.E. upstairs. Um, and she is unfortunately back in virtual school for a few days. Uh, they had a positive COVID test in their class, so she's got a quarantine, but it's a little bit noisy with PE going on up above my head. But it is so sad that your daughter's doing PE at home. I know. Everybody it's listening, good. thinking the same thing. It's like, what is going on with so ridiculous. My kids are out of the house, but I feel bad for Steve and his kids. Okay. I just said it for everybody. <laughs> All right, but that is definitely not the reason why we're here talking or you're here listening today. So what we wanted to talk about today, I think this is is really a great topic and and so much more than we'll be able to cover just in in this uh, podcast here today, and talk about the way that the Internet and social media and all of this has affected or changed or influenced our jobs and working with clients and financial planning. And we've all seen all the discussions out there and all the articles and breakdowns about the way that, you know, I'll pick on Facebook in particular, but obviously this is across Twitter and Instagram and all these different platforms, but the way that that has influenced politics and made many aspects of politics more partisan, more, uh, emotional, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. And, right. and that certainly trickled down into our industry. So Dave, you, you brought this topic up saying, you know, let's touch on this, how this has impacted us and the clients that we work with. Right. So I think, yeah, I think first of all, when you look at the impact of social media and now it's, and what, sparked this in me was watching some of the or, or reading the news about the hearings and all this stuff in Congress about this. So yeah. Like, hmm. um, 
but really to me, first of all, it's things that were already there are made worse. Let's start with that. And I think that's how it applies more. So in other words, partisanship was already there. Of course. Being on social media and only getting your news from social media, you know, makes it worse. Body shaming. You could go through a million things that they talk about on this. Yeah. Like body shaming was always there. This makes it worse. Um, things like that. So a lot of these things were already there. And I think we should all, always say that anything when we talk about the Internet and social media, there's always there are positive things about this that make it. You know, it's not all negative, but there are these negatives that have like, basically there's a megaphone for everything. And when everything is wrong or unfactual, it still has a megaphone that makes it somehow true or or perceived to be true for people who aren't in the field. That's, That's how we start to get to where we are. Well, so you go ahead with your first thought or I'll just go with mine. Well, I what I was going to what I was going to start off with was what you were starting to touch on there is believe me, there are many many positives to, you know, easy access to information and now I'm just talking about in the financial realm of things, but there are many many positives to, you know, nowadays if you want to learn about what's a mutual fund, what's an ETF, what are call options, what are you know, all of these things, you can Google it and you can get information about all these things. You know, you want to Google your advisor. I mean, think about how much easier that is now or how possible it is now to Google your advisor, see if there's been complaints against them, things like that, that 30 or 40 years ago, or frankly, even 20 years ago, just weren't possible. So, I mean, those aspects of you know, the information age are absolutely positive. Um, but, but you quickly get into some of the negatives as well. Right. Um, and I'll start with a negative. Okay. Because it's in, it's always been, it's, it's one of my biggest pet peeves. It's like, I don't really get frustrated by too many things anymore after <laughs> more than two decades in this business. But I don't like when, uh, anyone uses social media, I, I have no problem with people using it for marketing. I don't like it when they'll use it in that megaphone way of throwing something out there for the purpose of marketing that could then harm other people who look at it and don't apply it to their situation. And the number one thing that has always come to my mind is the polarization of annuities. Yeah. Annuities are either bad, right. horrible, annuities are bad has been somebody's campaign, (laughs) not just something thrown out there or on the flip side, they're the, there's wow. They're, they're the product that you could sell basically saying all upside, no downside. In other words, they're fantastic. And to me, that's the number one thing that comes to mind. And we've seen both sides of the negativity of that. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about how we would use annuities, but on the on the side of annuities are the greatest thing of all time. A lot of times what's never spoken is the sort of the fine print. And a big yep. and fine print means fees in some cases, and fine print also means that you're locked into these products. There's a penalty right. for getting out of them. And when people put so much of their retirement money or liquid money, you know, money that they need might need immediately 
into a product that looked like it was all upside and no downside, and then all of a sudden when they want to, they have to pull it out for whatever reason, and there's a big penalty. Now you've seen the downside of the wow, all gain, all protection, no downside thing that's out there for part for some for the I guess the the pro selling annuity crowd. Right. The the but the but the flip side is just as bad and more nuanced. And that is that these products are bad because their fees are high. In other words, I'll use what's wrong with them and flip the argument. There there could be really high fees and you can't get out of it. And you're locked in and this and that. And just saying for whatever reason that these are bad. And the reality is there's a place for annuities. They, and quite frankly, we've used them in our practice for people where they fit. Yeah. And they fit in a lot of ways. They fit in in what they are, in being able. If you don't have to touch uh, some money for a long period of time and you're looking for a reasonable return and you've seen the current returns in your savings account, right. hey, there, there's a place for annuities. And certainly when if you need to create retirement income out of your assets, i.e., you're somebody who is used to living on $150,000 a year and now you see Social Security is going to be paying you 40 and you have to make up some income every month that you can count on out of your assets, there's another example where that could be a place yep. for annuities. And to just say no and then be in a position that I could have done that because of something I've seen on social media of that polarization, that one that would be my number one personal well, issue with it. Yeah, and I mean, it. I didn't need a crystal ball to guess that you were going to go there um, and that we were going to talk about that. I know, because I always talk to you about, like, we're not just your podcast, right. things so, that bump, that piss me off, that would be up there. But that's, that's a classic example, as I was kind of doing a little bit of research and planning for this talk here, of what they call outrage marketing. And outrage marketing is this idea that, you know, you put out there some sort of very polarizing type of statement, and that's going to either really excite people or really outrage them. But that's much better than than putting something out there that says uh, annuities might or might not fit your situation and could potentially be good for you, but also might not be. Right? That's that's not going to drive anybody. Nobody's going to be interested in that. And uh, I, I was looking at some of these examples in my Google search here of outrage marketing. And one of them was an article that was written in the summer of 2020 uh, by one of the New York City papers, not the Times, but I don't know if it was the Post or something else, and basically declared that New York City is dead. They said New York City is dead. Nobody's coming back to New York City. Now, remember, this is summer of 2020. Uh, we've gone through all the COVID stuff. Everybody's working from home. Everybody wants to move to a bigger house out farther in the suburbs because they don't have to commute anymore. And so this general idea that, you know, maybe cities will transform and change in some way, it's kind of out there. Um, but moderating your opinion and having sort of eh, things might change, that's not going to drive page clicks. That's not going to drive people to your site. So apparently this author wrote this article that he did not believe. He did not believe that New York City was really dead, but he wrote this. 
And, of course, people like Jerry Seinfeld come out and write rebuttals to it. And they're all, you know, it generates interest. And then in the financial world of things, you know, I read one. Dave, have you ever seen this? Apparently, this one comes up on CNBC every six months or so, um, where they they break down a budget of somebody making $400,000 a year. And they show basically how they're they're just breaking even, earning four hundred thousand. Yes, I, I have seen the. <laughs> I, I always look at that because I find it interesting, which is what they're looking for. Exactly, and it's you know I mean they they break this down and they they show okay this person earns four hundred thousand, which I think we'd all agree is a pretty good income. I mean it's not you know it's not ultra wealthy, but it's pretty solid. Um, and they break it down. They say, okay, this person lives in New York City. They got two kids in daycare. Um, you know, they've got to pay, you know, property taxes. They've got a property worth 1.6 million. So they've got a mortgage and blah, blah, blah. And they save into their 401k and they save in their 529 plans. And at the end of the day, they have nothing left over. Right. And of course, this <laughs> another example of outrage marketing. You know, people get super angry. They go, how could you possibly not live on 400000 You know, what is wrong with you people? Um, but that's, unfortunately, the world that we live in is, is these divisive things are so much more powerful than just being somewhere in the middle balanced approach. Um, and I, <laughs> I wish I had something more profound to say, okay, here's the solution. Here's how to make it better. Here's, I just I don't know, you know, how do you get that balance and not get sucked into the In financial? Well, <laughs> um, understanding what the motivation is, which we just talked about, is a good start. Yeah, is a good start. But ultimately, what where the danger lies is when it comes to dealing with yourself, your own or you and your family and your own finances and your own retirement planning. Right. At this point, you, A, this is why, I mean, I guess this is why we're in this business, but I I would always say that virtually everybody who would be listening to a podcast like this, whether it's us or someone else, it really helps to have a trusted, well-balanced advisor or advisory group. And well-balanced means not biased, not buying into the bias that we just discussed. For whatever reason. And I guess what that means is you, to an advisor, you are a blank slate when the advisor meets you for the first time. You find that information about you, and then you apply your professional expertise to, to, you know, to achieve what we're trying to achieve. A lot of well, times it's just having enough money. What's the what's the most money I could live on per month? Be comfortable, not worry have as much peace of mind as possible in this right. world. How do I achieve that? And then you work your way down that funnel to the specific recommendations. And everybody is different. So no matter what you've heard out there, you know, and you could go through every single thing that we deal with, and there's going to be some polarization. I heard well, that the S&P 500 is where I should put all my money. Mm-hmm. I heard that long-term care insurance is bad or it's too expensive or um, no matter what, I need long-term care insurance. Yeah. Or no matter what, 
I should have, and this is, I should not have any individual stocks because they're bad. Or, uh, just all, I should just be selecting stocks and, so the, it's an all, the all or nothing, the all or nothing thing is, is very dangerous. Yeah. How do we and avoid it, that? And that's by looking, everybody needs to look at their own situation. And in our business, it's so complicated and there's so many things to look at that I almost say the advisor has to take, you're, you're a blank slate. And now what do we know from our expertise, our toolbox, as you always say, how do we apply that without bias? Yeah. And I, I mean, I, as you were talking there, I was thinking about kind of the crossover of the number one polarizing thing out there, politics, and how that can, for some people, bleed into their financial, you know, recommendations or, or financial actions. And I, I know I've told these stories before about, you know, the the one uh, client who the day that Obama was inaugurated uh, said he was going to sell and did sell all of his stocks, missed out on that whole run. And then the clients that called us, you know, the day that Trump was elected and said, I'm getting all out of stocks. But yeah. both of those would have been dead wrong to do. Um, and, in, you know, in, in some cases we talked him out of it. In some cases we didn't. Uh, but that's, you know, that's letting that <clears throat> polarization on the political realm of things, you know, dictate your actions on the financial side of things. And, and that's it's kind of all bleeding together there. But that that gets to be dangerous as well. Yeah. You know, do you agree with me? It's like we talk about this. I think we're so unemotional about all that stuff at this stage of the game that you and I don't even think about it too much. It's like, it's almost like a, it's like I always look at, this is not a good analogy because what we do doesn't compare. This is life or death, but a surgeon, you know, like a, say a brain surgery, there's a lot of noise going on. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of whatever their patient was thinking before they go under. But ultimately the surgeon sees what they see. It's very factual for the most part. There's some subjectivity, but you've seen it before. And they go about their business, in my opinion, the best probably almost as if they're like, uh, you know, changing the oil at Jiffy Loop. Right. We've done it so many times, but, and they're I, not very emotional. And we're not very, I mean, you and I hear this stuff all the time yep. about everything, but I, you and I are not very emotional about the work we do at this point. We know what to do and we explain it. Our job is like, is, is always been more like a teacher with clients yeah. because. Yeah. Um, and I think that's not just our job. I think that's every professional's job who's working with customers or clients or whatever. You're teaching them what you know and trying to explain it the best way so they understand why you're, you're making a recommendation. No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I've, I've always felt that, you know, teaching and educating was kind of fundamental and core to what we do because you know, those people who say, well, I don't understand a single word you're saying. I'm just going to do whatever you say. Um, but I don't understand anything. Oh man, that makes me uncomfortable because, you know, it's not a static situation. Things are going to change. Things will happen. And if you truly have no understanding, your chances of sticking with the plan and, and following it through are, are not so good. So, you know, educating people to an extent, you know, not everybody's going to want to get down there in the weeds and understand every little detail, but educating people to an extent, I, I think is, is really crucial for that. Yeah, good point. Not everybody, nor should they. 
Yeah. Nor should they. I mean, honestly, in my real life, I don't want to hear every detail about why my oh. guy who pulls down trees in my backyard, and we have a lot, so I right. know the guy, and I trust him. He tells me. They always tell me why. Yeah. But they've also told me, just like we have, you don't have to pull that tree down. You don't yeah. have to sell that investment. You don't have to, you know, because here's why. Right. Um. You know, and it, I guess it's like every profession. Some people don't want to hear all the details. I always get an explanation. Like when my car's getting fixed and I yep. trust the guys who do it and they tell me why, do I start to glaze over after a while? Honestly, yes. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, I they're telling me why and they're explaining it to a lay person. Right. And I get it. And I make a decision. But, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's up to you. If you're a potential client or you're dealing with a financial advisor, you also have to let – let the polarization or things you might have thought of out the window. doesn't hurt to ask. Hey, I heard, and we've had plenty of people we've met, I heard, let's go back to my annuity, hey, you're recommending uh, I put some money in an annuity. I heard that they're this, that, or the other thing. I think it's, I hope and want people to ask those questions. Right, yeah. I, I I don't think anybody would, but I it cert- certainly shouldn't take this for oh I shouldn't Google or research any of this. No, you you should, but you've got to use that as part of the learning process, not the whole process. Um, you're right. We get a lot of people who will say, "Hey, I read this. Is this true? You know, can you?" Right. And a good advisor should be able to say, and a good advisor who's telling the truth should be able to say, "Here, yeah." Here's how that part works, what you're questioning. Here's how this part works with what we're recommending. Here's why we're recommending it, though. Right. Here's the positives of it, and here's why we chose this one and, and you know, or this investment or insurance product or whatever, and, and here's why we're doing it. We should be able to give specific and, – and, quite frankly, you you relish the hard questions from a client. Oh. That means they're paying attention. They're and actually when you, when you answer those questions, they should feel better that, you know, that this is, I was worried about that. I didn't hold it in. We never want anyone holding it in. Don't hold in your questions. Right. You know, I, you ask it and then you, you know, this is why we're doing something. You, you know. All right. Let's leave it there. Uh, unfortunately, we did not solve the future of the internet and Facebook and all that, but uh, I think, uh, <laughs> I think we uh, we touched on the important facts of our industry. This is more in that analogy to that would be more like the elbow pad I put on before I play basketball (laughs) for my tennis elbow. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be solved at pushing 60 years old, but at least it's manageable. Right. All right. We will check in again next month.